Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. You know, um, one of the things I've been sharing with the staff is um, this 2022 needs to be for all of us, a, just a year of growth. You know, our mission statement here is to create an atmosphere where people can become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And um, we don't just want that to be some letters on a wall, some sl- pretty slogan that we use every once in a while that sounds really catchy and really cool. We want that to be the reality of who we are as a church, that we are a church community that is committed to growing up in Jesus. Amen? Amen? You, wanna, you want that? I hope you want that for 2022 because that's where we're going. We're going to a place where we are going to be becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. I know that there's some of you among us already that you're there and you're in this process and this journey, but you know, the, the invitation's for all of us. Amen? Amen. Now, last week, we talked a little about this, that we would commit in 2022 to essentially, again, grow up in Jesus. You know, we saw this through the life of Jesus. Jesus himself, it says that he grew in wisdom and in stature in favor with God, in favor with man. I mean, Jesus, the Son of God, had a growing wisdom, stature, favor with God, and favor with man. I won't kind of rehash what we talked about last week, but the idea is, as he was doing that, he discovered his purpose and identity in life, and he was able to pursue it. And I believe that that's what God wants to do with each and every one of us, that as we ourselves grow in wisdom and stature, favor with God and favor with man, that we too will discover our purpose our reason for being on this earth, our, our mission here on this earth, and then we'll be able to fulfill that mission. So that's kind of where we were last week. And you know, the idea, I mean, the, the word that we're using is the word sanctification. Now, sanctification is a big church word, a, a, a the, theological word that basically, essentially just means becoming more like Jesus, with an emphasis on the becoming part that sanctification isn't an event. It's not like you come to church one day and it was a specially anointed service and you experienced God in such an amazing way that instantly you were sanctified. Sanctification is not an event. Sanctification is a journey. We are in a process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Now, um, we're gonna get to our message here in a second. We're gonna be talking about decisions, but before I get to that, can you believe it's 2022, the year 2022? I guess you can believe it is. Nobody's pretty quiet, yeah? I mean, I guess the older you get, the more you just kind of wonder, like, really? Like, I remember as a kid, I was, you know, there, there was all kinds of futurists, you know, talking about how things might be, and there was movies and shows that were being produced that would kind of depict a it kind of a, a, an idea of our future, right? And so I remember as a kid growing up thinking, you know, man, by 2020, not 2022, by, by the year 2000 is what I was thinking. By the year 2000, we'll be like teleporting to work because I watched too much Star Trek. We'll be teleporting to work, right? Or by the year 2022, you know, I mean, there would be like commercial flights to Mars. We would all be, I was obviously fascinated with space kind of things. Or at least all of us would have a a robot by the name of Rosie working in our house. 
Right? I have a picture of that, actually. Here's, that's Rosie, the robot. If you're not familiar with this cartoon, it's because you're young. It's called the Jetsons, right? And what's interesting is that this actually came out really, I mean, I was very young when this first came out, but I watched it in Panama dubbed into Spanish. Rosa was her name, you know? <laughs> So this, that's, but this is what we grew up with. We grew up with this idea that, man, just, I, I, just, it's amazing what's going to happen in the future. And here we are in 2022. And no, we can't teleport to work. No, we haven't gotten commercial flights to Mars. No, there's, well, we have Roomba. We're close. Rosie, Roomba, I mean, it's close. But it's not quite Rosie, right? These futurists must have got it wrong. But to be honest with you, regardless of what futurists were saying, I thought I would be further along by 2022. Like I thought by this time I would have had some things figured out. That by 2022 I'd be a little bit more organized, a little bit more disciplined, a little bit less selfish. <clears throat> I thought that by 2022 I would have my marriage figured out. Like I've been married for 35 years, okay? Like, I should be a pro at this. But too often, I'm an amateur when it comes to my marriage. And my wife has to remind me. That was an amateur move. <laughs> I thought by now certain things like pride and lust and greed would just be a thing of the past. It would like be so 2008. So I don't know if you feel that way. I don't know if you have these feelings of like, man, I just, I'm in this place right now where I thought things would be different than what they really are. And I think that resonates for a lot of us. I think many of us come to that, those places in life and we're at a place where we wonder, could, could things have been different? I wish things had been different. So if I, if I wrote this out, I thought by now blank, what would you fill that blank in with? How would you fill in that blank? I thought by now blank. Here's some things I've heard. I thought by now I would have, I would have, I would have my, my teenagers figured out. Good luck on that one, <laughs> actually. I was uh, said in first service, we had a, a family uh, gathering. My son graduated from PA school in December, and so we were in, in Knoxville area. And all the kids were there, and we're kind of just, and you know, they're all adults. Now. I don't have teenagers anymore. They're all adults. And they're all sitting around playing cards and you know, laughing and talking about things. And, and, and as they get older, they get more comfortable in sharing their teenage experience <laughs> to the point that mom and I are like, okay, we don't want to hear anymore. We, we don't even want to. You did what? What? When did you do that? You know, we thought we knew, but we really didn't know. Yeah. I thought by now my marriage would be so, wouldn't be so much work. I thought by now I'd be out of debt and have money in the bank. I thought by now I'd have a six-pack abs. <laughs> six-pack abs. <clears throat> I thought by now I would have gotten sober. I thought by now my porn addiction would be a thing of the past. I thought by now I would have had a successful career. I thought by now I wouldn't still feel so betrayed and angry at my husband or at my wife or at that friend. I thought by now I'd be happy. And this list can go on and on. These are just a few of the ones that I've heard over the last couple of years. 
I thought by now, blank. <clears throat> a couple of questions I think we need to ask ourselves if we're in this I thought by now kind of moment or we're thinking. If think of your life as this, as this timeline. You're on this journey and you're in this moment today. Okay, we're here today. Today is unique. It can never, it's never happened before and it can never happen again. And so some question to ask ourselves in this moment that we're in, whether you had these thoughts of, I wish that things would be so much different. The question, first question to ask ourselves is, how did I get to where I currently am? Like if I'm in this timeline of life and I'm here, how did I get here, right here? What experiences, what decisions, what choices did I make along the way that got me to this place where I am right now? That's an important question to ponder for us because for us to change the future, for us to go in a different direction in the future, we have to understand where we've been, what we've done, how we've accomplished, all the things that we've accomplished and how it's, what all that put together has brought us to this one place where we stand right now. How did I get here? Now, we also have to be very careful with this particular question because too often the way we answer it in a very simplistic way is we say, well, like we blame others. Well, if my parents hadn't done this, if my parents had supported me more, then I wouldn't be here. If my wife hadn't cheated on me, then I wouldn't be here. If God would have just come through with my prayers, I wouldn't be at this place. It's easy for us to be in a moment in time, look at our circumstances and then say, well, it's their fault. It's their fault, it's their fault. So we have to be careful. How did I get to where I am right now? The second question, question I ask ourselves is how do I get to where I wanna be? So again, you're in this timeline of life and you're looking back, but you're also looking ahead. How do I get to where I want to go? There's something, there's a preferable future for me. There's something that I want to see accomplished in my life. There's a kind of life that I want to live. And we have been, and, and for us, the context is in your discipleship and becoming more and more like Jesus. Where do you want to be? And what's interesting is these two questions are very important, but the answer to both of these questions is the same answer. It's one decision at a time. One choice at a time. That's how you got to where you are. And that's how you're going to get to where you want to be. One decision at a time. I used to say this all the time. The most spiritual thing you could do is not pray, not read your Bible, not fast. The most spiritual thing you could do is make a righteous choice. Make a decision. Because these decisions have a way of shifting your direction. See, life is a sum of all of our decisions. We know that. We understand that. That's not brain surgery. We understand this stuff, right? That life, the whole of life is this accumulation of tens of thousands of decisions along the way that gets us to the place that we're at right now. The Bible kind of refers to this as the law of sowing and reaping. In Galatians 6, it says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Like, don't think that you can pull the wool over on God. Like, God can't be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And so as we talk about the decisions that we make along the way, the choices that we get that have got us to this place, the choices that are gonna get us to where we wanna go, we need to think of these in a context of like planting seeds, sowing seeds. And so if you sow a seed of discord, you're gonna reap a harvest of discord. 
If you sow a seed of peace and forgiveness, then you're going to reap a harvest of peace and forgiveness. See, the law of sowing and reaping, and, and I'm expanding that definition to be to the decisions that you and I make, that we've made and that we're making along the way, the law of sowing and reaping works for you and it works against you. And it's all based on the choices that you, that you make along the way. So it's one decision at a time is how a marriage fails. It's also one decision at a time is how a marriage heals. It's one decision at a time is how you got into debt. And you know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, you look at your credit card statement at the end of the month, like, where did that all come from? Well, it's like, you know, 1,500 different, different little swipes, right? Each one was a single decision that was made. One decision at a time is how you, get out of, how you got into debt, and it's one decision at a time is how you're gonna get out of debt. If your goal is to get in shape, it was one decision at a time that got you out of shape. Okay? Like you said, I want to be in shape in 2022. I'm going to be fit in 2022, but first I'm going to stop by Burger King and get that double Whopper with cheese. <clears throat> and that didn't feel like much. So a couple days later, you do it again. And next thing you know, it's like a routine. You know, you do it every day. And you don't think much because it's just that one decision, but it's one decision time to get you there. It's also going to be one decision at a time that's going to get you healthy again. So the question is, what seeds are you planting in 2022? Seriously, what seeds are you planting in 20? We're going to look at John chapter 1, and uh, we're going to see the story of, of John the Baptist and, and, and some decisions that he makes these daily decisions that we make, they have the potential. I mean, they have the potential, not just to determine where you're going to be, but also it impacts the people around you. you understand, I'm not saying anything you don't understand. You understand this. There have been some huge decisions that you made. You didn't think they were huge in the moment, but when you made them, they became ginormous because it just didn't affect you. It affected everybody else around you. In fact, some of you in this room, you're divorced now because of a decision that you made. It was a single decision, but it, it impacted not just you, it impacted everybody else around you. Now, I'm not trying to heap guilt on you on that, but here's the point. The point is, the decision we make will take us in the direction we want to go, but it also impacts the people around us. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus knew that about his own life. It was one decision at a time, one choice at a time that Jesus made that changed the world. One person at a time. So John picks up in the life of Jesus in John chapter 1. He's about 30 years old. He's beginning his ministry. And it says in verse 35, the following day, John, now this John is not John the gospel writer, but John the Baptist. It says the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. Verse 36, as Jesus walked by, so John is with his disciples. Get a mental image of this. John is with his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, like he points at him, look. There is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. So no doubt, John up to this point, he's been talking about the kingdom of God. He's been pointing to the Lamb of God. He's been talking about Jesus himself. Jesus is his cousin. And so he's talking about him as the Messiah, right? This is, this is what's happening. So it doesn't... It, makes sense that these, these disciples of his are going to follow, follow him. In fact, a few chapters later, it, they're talking to John about his disciples and say, doesn't it bother you that your disciples are now following him? Talking about Jesus. And here's John's statement. This is very important for us to hear because this is what I'm talking about. We're talking about decisions. And sometimes there are decisions that we make in life that are controlling decisions. 
John says this thing, he must increase and I must decrease. That wasn't just, that's, when you read that in the, in the Bible, yeah, you can read that and think, oh, it's no big deal. Yeah, that's how John felt. But that was a controlling decision of John's life. It was a decision that not only made an impact in that moment, but it made an impact for all of the decisions he had to make from that point on. He must increase and I must decrease. So imagine if you and I started filtering all of our decisions with that idea. Jesus must increase, I must decrease. I mean, it sounds amazing, right? (laughs) But most of us, when we make decisions, it's like, what about me? Most of us are like, uh, what's in it for me? Even even good stuff like, you know, serving in church, sometimes we're like, well, what about me? He must increase, I must decrease. And when that's your controlling decision, it has an impact in all of your life, right? Humility will come before pride. It's a decision to give instead of always spending. It's a decision to build up instead of tearing down. It's a decision to give grace when when you'd rather get even. It's a decision to release all your frustrations on God or to God instead of ranting on Facebook. I'm telling you, we need that these days, right? When you have this idea more of Jesus, less of me, you're making a choice to basically turn it over to God instead of just blast the world with it. It's a decision to say yes when you'd rather say no. Sometimes it's a decision to say no when you feel like saying yes. And this is how John lived his life. More of Jesus, more of Jesus, and less of me. More of Jesus, less of me. So it's not surprising then that when Jesus walks by, John's disciples begin to follow Jesus. That's what he preached. That's what he taught. That's what he was, it's more of Jesus, less of me. Imagine if John got angry all of a sudden and said, hey, wait a minute, why are you following Jesus now? It would kind of defy his controlling decision, which is more of Jesus, less of me. And that's exactly what happens. Verse 38 says, Jesus looked around and saw them following. and And Jesus asked, what do you want? He asked them. Like these disciples of John start following Jesus and they're like following him from behind and Jesus stops, turns around and says, hey, what do you want? Like they're not, they're following Jesus but they're not followers of Jesus. They're, they're following Jesus but they're not yet disciples of Jesus and Jesus stops and says, what do you want? Another translation of that phrase that Jesus uses is, what are you looking for, right? That's a good question to ask. In fact, I think that that's what Jesus is asking of us right now. What do you want? What are you looking for in life? I mean, it's this kind of question that really makes, determines the decisions that we make moving forward. What do you want? What are you looking for? And this is a tricky question because like I said earlier, we, we, we sometimes hear that and we ask, we want things that, the way we, the way, the things that we want, we want right, like right now. Like right now I want it. But spiritual growth, becoming more like Jesus is a process. It's a journey. And it starts with making some small decisions along the way. And so we have to be careful how we say this, right? So like if you want to be in shape, like I said, if you want to be in shape, you got to make a decision now that you don't really want to make for now. It's hard. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to get early to the gym. You don't want to you know, avoid the fast food place and go get a salad instead. Those are things that you don't want to do. 
So when Jesus says, what do you want? What are you looking for? So Jesus asks those questions. What do you want? What do you look for? Verse 38, this is how they reply. Rabbi, where are you staying? Like they're following Jesus and they want to know where you, they want to spend time with Jesus. Verse 39 says, this is what Jesus says. Come and see, he said. So the first words out of Jesus' mouth in, in the gospel of John are, what do you want? Like, what are you looking for? And come and see. What do you want? What do you look? These, these are simple questions, but they have the capacity to completely revolutionize your life. What do you want? And come and see. Now, you might be a visitor here today, and uh, maybe your friend bribed you to come to church and said, I'll, I'll buy you lunch. <laughs> maybe. That's why you're here. I don't know. Um, and you sat through our service, and you saw we had a worship set, you know, and people standing up and raising their hands and worshiping God, and... And then somebody gets up here and he starts lecturing and talking, you know, about the Bible stuff. And you might think this is a little bit strange, what we do here in church on Sunday mornings. You might think it's a little bit far out there. But I just want to appeal to you and I want to encourage you. I think that if Jesus were here today, he would be saying, what do you want? What are you looking for? And then once you tell him what you want, the things that you're looking for in life, the things that you want in your marriage, things you want in your career, whatever it might be, once you say that to him, he probably then says, okay, well, Come follow me. Come and see what I can offer you. That's the invitation. Explore Jesus. Verse 39, it says, it was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of, those, one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. So he's one of John's disciples who now becomes a disciple of Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. So Andrew and Simon are partners in a fishing business. Andrew's like the spiritual one. Peter's like the gruff, you know, macho kind of one, you know. And, and so Andrew shows up and says, hey, uh, we found the Messiah. Remember, we've been talking about him. We found the Messiah. I'm sure... I'm sure Simon had a few questions. I'm sure he was like, Are you, how, do you know, how do you know that? Like, tell me more. I want to know, tell me in the scriptures, how do you know that he is actually the Messiah? And I love what Andrew does. Andrew doesn't have all the answers, but this is what he does in verse 42. He says, then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Like, I can't give you the answers, but come with me. Come and see, right? I love this about Andrew. Andrew doesn't show up a whole lot in scripture, but when he does, he's always bringing somebody to Jesus. That's what he does, right? Verse 42, Jesus, looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. And at that moment, Peter's life is revolutionized. There's this moment in time. Peter is at a place where he may look back and have a lot of regrets, but there's a moment in time where he meets Jesus and his future is completely different. Here's a point I want to make. John John the Baptist makes the decision to point Andrew to Jesus. It's a choice that he makes. Makes a decision. Like it was, and that decision came from this other controlling decision, less of me, more of him. So John the Baptist points Andrew to Jesus. Andrew points Peter to Jesus, and that's how the world and the kingdom of God gets established here in this world. One decision at a time, one person at a time. And for us as a church, 
That's what we want to see. We want to see followers, disciples of Jesus Christ who are making daily decisions to be committed to him, to follow him, to serve him, and one at a time point people to Jesus. And that's how Life Church will grow. That's how Life Church will be able to make an impact in this community. So with that in mind, I want us to specifically ask you to make some decisions, okay? We're going to kind of rapidly go through these decisions. And these are very small decisions. Like I talked about last week, these decisions are, are like small, very easy to do. And because they're small and easy to do, they're also very easy not to do, okay? And so the first decision that I want to invite you to do, and here's the thing. The other thing about it is that these decisions, even though they're small in nature, when a collective of, of, of people like us, 750 or so people who call Life Church or Home Church, when a collective of, of us say, we're going, we're going to make this decision, when we do that together, the impact is exponential, Okay, so here's the first decision I'm going to ask you to make. Will you spend at least 1% of your time connecting to Jesus this year? Will you spend at least 1% of your time connecting to Jesus this year? Now, I know it's early, and I know you're like, I, man, Rich, I don't know how to do that math. You know, how do I figure out 1% of my time? <laughs> you know, and so I've done a little bit of math for you. Okay, so in a week, you have 10,080 minutes in a whole week. And so, and I know, okay, don't, I'm seeing smoke coming out of ears. Just don't worry. I'm doing the math for you, okay? 1% of 10,080 is a little bit over 100 minutes a week. And so what I'm asking you is, will you commit to connect to Jesus 100 minutes a week? Now, you hear me say that, you're like, oh, that's all? Just 100 minutes? It's not that much? Well, if that's how you feel, then, then do it. Others of you are like, whoa. 100 minutes? That's a long time. Does, I'm, well, I'm in church now. Does that count? <laughs> like 65 minutes of my 100 minutes are now gone? <clears throat> it doesn't count. <laughs> um, what I'm asking you to do is to dedicate 100 minutes of your week where you say, God, I'm intentionally connecting with you. That can happen within the context of a life group. For example, you can get together in a life group, which if you're not a part of a life group, you need to be a part of life groups. You need to be in a life group because that's where you're going to connect with other people. That's where you're going to have the opportunity. Right now, you're sitting there. You don't have an opportunity to say, hey, Rich, let me just tell you about what I just went through this week. Because an usher will probably grab you and take you down. He won't do that. But but you you don't have that opportunity because I'm talking, you're supposed to be listening. Okay, that wasn't a very good joke. But anyways... But in a life group, you have that opportunity where you could actually sit with other people and say, this is what I'm going through. Will you pray for me? That's part of spending 100 minutes connecting to Jesus. Another way is there's an app called the Bible app. Download that app and start reading the scriptures daily. Another way you can do that is also just dedicate 10 minutes out of each day, you know, connecting with Jesus through prayer. Now, I, I, said, that, I said that once to somebody, and I remember telling them, and they came back to me and said, 10 minutes is long. <laughs> I'm like, what are you praying about? No, so, so here's the thing. Go with prepared, like make a list. And put on that list you, your family, your spouse if you're married or not, if you're dating your boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, put your children, parents, your church, colleagues at work. I promise you that if you make a list and you start praying, it won't be 10 minutes. It'll be 20, it'll be 30, it'll be, a, it'll be, an, it'll be an hour if you dedicate yourself to that. And so I'm challenging you to spend 100 minutes 
a week. I'm just telling you that if we all did that, imagine the impact that would happen if all of us said, God, we're going to give you 100 minutes of a week connecting with Jesus Christ. Amen. Second decision I want to invite you to make is, will you invite and bring one person to church this year? We invite and bring one person to church this year. That's a good place to start. I mean, as a church, I want us to do whatever it takes to bring people to Jesus. And that's what Andrew did. Andrew was that way. Remember Andrew? You don't hear a lot about Andrew, but he was always bringing people to Jesus, right? And this, is what he, this was his model. He would go and he'd meet somebody and say, hey, I met, I met the Savior, the Messiah. He changed my life. Come and see. That's how easy it is. Jesus changed my life. Come and see. Will you come with me? Now, statistically, 75% of the people that, you, that, are, that, that are invited by a friend to church, 75% of them will come. So here's a little bit more math. If all 750 of us invite somebody this year and 75% of them come, that means 562 people this year will walk through these doors for the very first time and have the potential of meeting Jesus for the very first time. And can you imagine if in 2022, 562 people gave their life to Jesus in this building? It would revolutionize us. It would change us. Third decision. Will you increase your generosity this year? Will you choose to be more generous this year than you were last year? Increase your generosity this year. One in four donors actually tithe. Now, this is not to, I'm not trying to throw guilt and condemnation on you. In fact, guilt, there's, there's no kingdom value when it comes to guilt. But <clears throat> one in four people actually tithe. Tithe is like 10%, right, where you give 10% of your income. My wife and I, just to not talk about it, we're going to talk about it more in a, in a couple weeks, but Christy and I, since we've been married, we, we're old school, we still use a ledger, like a checkbook ledger where you write in the check and the amount and all that kind of stuff. And since the very beginning, we would write in our, our check that was deposited into our bank account or, or we would cash, whatever. We'd write it in and the next line, the line right after that was to Life Church or to, a, to the church that we were part of. And it was our tithe. And we did the math. This is what this was. This is what 10% is. And it went in there. Now, why am I saying that? Because what I was doing in a very physical, tangible way is I'm saying, God, you are first in my life. I have a lot of concerns. I have a lot of weights. I have bills that need to be paid. I've got rent to pay. I've got all kinds of things that I need to do. But God, you are first in my life, so I'm going to put you first. That's what tithing means. So what if we as a church made that commitment Say, God, we're just going to be more generous this year than we were last year. What if we just move the needle from one out of four to one out of three? I'd like all of us to do it, but imagine if one out of four went to one out of three. It would exponentially change things here at Life Church. Last decision I want to challenge you with, and this decision really is for those who might just be visiting. You're not really a follower of Christ, and I'm not, I don't say that in a judgmental, con- condemning way. I'm just saying, you know, you're exploring, you're here. And you're not sure if you believe all this stuff. You're not even sure if you believe the Bible to be God's word. I get that, and I understand that. Um, in verse 43 of John chapter 1, Jesus is talking to Philip. He says, come, come follow me. And you'll see this invitation of Christ continuous throughout the Gospels. Come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. <clears throat> it's the biggest decision you can ever make. And so 
Decision number four is will you become a follower of Jesus today? Will you become a follower? There's, I mean, there's some big decision that, that will decide a lot of other decisions for you. And this is one of those. It's committing your life to Jesus Christ, surrendering your heart to Jesus. You see, there's all kinds of decisions that we have to make in life. There's a lot of stress that comes from making these decisions in life. Like, who, like who, who will I date or who am I going to marry or, you know, how, how are we going to manage the problems in our marriage or how are we going to manage our kids or, or even other decisions like, you know, like, like what about my purpose in life? What about my career? What about those kind of things? You have all these choices that we have to make in life that are very difficult sometimes and we feel stressed over that. And then to top things off, we have other choices like, what, am I, what are we going to watch on Netflix? You know, and that just gets added into the mix of all these choices, and we can walk through life stressed about decisions that we have to make. But I'm telling you that there's this one big decision that if you make it, it will free you, and it'll help you make all the other decisions of your life, including the Netflix one. And that is to surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. The path gets a lot clearer when that happens, right? When I'm going to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're here and you, you believe, like you gave your life to Jesus once, but as time has passed, we've got some divided allegiances. Like I, I really want to serve Jesus, I really want to follow Jesus, but you know, I've got this business that I've got to care for and I've got to take care of it and then the business has become sort of the most important thing in your life or your family, or I can go on with a list of things. And maybe to you, Jesus is just simply inviting you to get perspective and to once again surrender your life to Jesus. That idea of surrendering our life to Jesus is not a one-time thing. Part of becoming more like Jesus, part of the sanctification journey is I surrender my life to you every single day. Amen. I'm going to ask us all to stand. <clears throat> There's a lot of decisions we're making. A year from now, 10 years from now, or whenever Jesus comes, the trajectory of our life will be determined by the decisions that we make here today. And the biggest decision you can make here today is Jesus, I surrender. I surrender. If you're watching from Cedar Rapids or Wilton, I just want to encourage you as well to do the same thing. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. Amen. We're going to close out. Our worship team is going to lead us in a song as we close out. And, um, but I just want to pray for you. Our, we have prayer teams here in the left and right. If you're here today and for the very first time or you're in Cedar Rapids or Wilton and for the very first time you're giving your life to Jesus Christ, we want to give you an opportunity to, to do that. And we want to walk that journey with you. So you can step out, you can meet our prayer teams, you can also talk to one of our pastors, you can fill out a card, let us know that you made that decision today. Um, it's the most important decision you will ever make in life, and it'll determine the direction of your life as well. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, I just want to thank you, God, <clears throat> for your presence in this place. I thank you, Jesus, that you are, that you're speaking to us, Father. Right now, you're speaking to us, you're challenging us. You're challenging us to this place of surrender. Father, there's decisions that we need to make every single day. But there's this one controlling decision that we should make, and that is more of you, less of me. Jesus, we surrender our lives to you. So, Father, will you help us?
Will you convince us? Will you help us to take to have the courage to step out and say, Jesus, here I am. I do it. I'm doing it. Today is the day. In Jesus' name.